every time I, I make that silly sound where I put my... It reminds me of a, a guru I used to sit with in the 70s. And he would hit the little gong and make a little funny sound and then he would say, the atmosphere around is being purified by divine power. The divine power enters your body and mind. You are purified and blessed. And I always think of that and get a little chuckle. The truth is the atmosphere when we sit together is being purified by divine power. But it's not some kind of external power. It's not some kind of magical force. It is, it's your own, it's your own nature and it's our natures when we, we mingle. When we mingle for the purpose of uh, awakening to, to uh, the Dharma, the truth of the way things are. And from the from thousands of years, when people gather together for the purpose of awakening, it's traditionally, at least in the Hindu world, it's called satsang. Sat meaning truth, sang, sang from the word uh, sangha, or community. A community that gathers together for the purpose of, of truth is... Uh, it's considered a, a sacred gathering and it's considered if when people engage in satsang uh, the um, it by just by the, its very nature it is uh, liberating purifying and I find that each week when I sit with you or I have to admit when I sit with any group even though you are special <laughs> But when we sit together, and the invitation is that you uh, relinquish the past, because it's not here. Relinquish the future, it's not here, it's unborn. Uh, Relinquish hold of anything that uh, is not, uh, that you, that is not trustworthy. Which essentially is saying, don't cling to anything, because almost anything Anything that arises is not very trustworthy as a source of, of, uh, of trust or refuge or, or um, happiness because its nature is to change. Isn't it true? So what we do in meditation practice is we, and we do it together, is we, instead of putting our trust in the quick and the fleeting and the and the imagined past, the imagined future, we put our trust in awareness, in being present, in being awake, being here, now. As I think I've read to you before the words of one of my teachers, Punjaji, he, he said, you need the past and thoughts to suffer. You don't need anything to be free. So there's something about letting ourselves come out of the tangle of our, of our um, thinking, tangle of our, as I mentioned earlier, our big issue or our story or our, 
situation, which is all of the past, really. Coming out of the tangle of that, we come face to face with simply being aware. And if you stay in that aware, as another teacher puts it, if you stay in it, you'll discover that that aware, that light of your own nature, uh, you'll discover that it's permeated with light and the love that you've never known, yet you recognize it at once as your natural state, as your true nature. Same teacher, Nisargadatta, says, you, you won't stay there. <laughs> the unruly mind will break that peace and obliterate that vision, but it's bound to return if the effort is sustained until all bonds are broken, all grasping and attachment ends, and life becomes uh, concentrated in the present moment. So this conversation, at least it seems like it's the way it's unfolding, because I wasn't exactly sure where I was going to go, but the way it's unfolding, it seems as though it's inclining toward what should we in our lives put our trust in? What have you been putting your trust in? And uh, what and has that been has that been helpful? And what does the Dharma or the, the teaching say to put your trust in? I'm suggesting tonight that the only reliable refuge is the very nature of your own mind. The only reliable refuge is refuge in awareness, or otherwise known as, to put it simply, refuge in the Buddha. I don't mean the historical Buddha. I mean the Buddha within. Buddha means awake. It means the intrinsic wakefulness that exists as the nature of your mind. It's the wakefulness that's here when I tell you to stop being aware and awake. It's what's so primary and what's so ever-present, ever-available. Obviously, it gets clouded by our confusion and our uh, mistaken trust in what's next or ideas or stories. But nevertheless, it is ever-available and and. One way of saying it is it accompanies you every moment. So for if we put our trust in awareness, or the Buddha, we'll put it, then what, what's really true, and this is definitely a challenge to live by this, from the point of view of awareness, the awareness as our refuge, the Buddha as our refuge, from the point of view of awareness, it doesn't matter so much what's happening. It doesn't matter whether you're happy or sad, frustrated, confused. It doesn't matter whether there's doubt, whether there's clinging, craving. It doesn't matter whether your body is at ease or whether it's hurting, whether your heart is heavy or it's light. From the perspective of taking putting one's trust in awareness, everything is equal. Everything is equal in that it becomes, that if we're aware of it, that, that every experience is our path. It is our path uh, to, uh, it, is, it is our path to uh, intensifying our trust 
in being aware and awake. So everything is in the service. No matter what you're experiencing, if you can be aware of it, it's helping you. Now, it's not so much the way that we're trained. We're trained, our minds are conditioned to if something, if we're experiencing something that is associated with being unpleasant, it means something's wrong. And that often gets extended to not only something wrong, but something's wrong with me. And then pretty soon before you know it, there's the, the me is not okay, and then the me has to figure out how to become okay, and pretty soon we're living in that, um, we're living in virtual reality again. We've lost touch with awareness. Our mind is, is, is looking for trust in how things turn out. Whether I, whether I come to a point where, where uh, whatever was unpleasant will go away and then I can call myself happy again. Or maybe for the first time. But all of it, every, every movement, every what the Buddha called misplaced faith that we put in trying to uh, associate our happiness with getting somewhere or getting rid of something, we, each one of those movements, those movements of misplaced faith, obscures the Buddha, obscures the, the uh, reliable refuge of being aware. So one of our considerations, one of the things you can think about tonight is what is it that you put your trust in? Do you put your trust in where you're going, what you're becoming, do you put, you put your trust in the way you define your life in the past? Do you put your trust in, uh, in your career? I was, as I was rummaging through my stuff tonight, I was reading a passage from Bo Lozoff where he described our tendency to associate our worth. And to me, this is just another way of saying putting my trust uh, putting your, whatever we associate our worth is where we put our trust. He says, it's only very recently that people began associating their self-worth, self-esteem, status in the community, their very identity with their career. It's just a passing fad in human history. Don't get caught up in it. Men like my grandfather may have been considered the pillar of their church or community, and what he did for a living was paint houses. My granduncle co collected rags, both honored, esteemed men. To them, what they did for money was the pettiest part of life. No blue-collar, white-collar nonsense. So long as it was honest, who cared? And further, they worked as little as possible. Not as much. They fed their families, paid their rent. They weren't trying to get ahead. Another interesting expression, get ahead of what? This is just one example of putting our trust in something that will take the example of a career. Our career has a shelf life. You know, I'm, I, will, um, I certainly plan to do this until I die whenever that comes. And I certainly want to be able to look back and said, and feel like I 
I enjoyed it, did it well, whatever it is, but I know that it, it doesn't, it cannot define me. It's just, when I close my eyes, I don't know what I am. I don't even know I'm a man. So a man doesn't define me either. I don't even know I'm a human when my eyes are closed. That requires, again, the past. All I know is I'm awake. Is there's awareness, there's cognizance, there's consciousness. So I know I can put my trust in that because that seems to pervade all my roles. It seems to pervade when my eyes are closed, my eyes are open, whether things are good, bad, or otherwise. Pleasant, unpleasant. But my career, it's certainly important what we, what we do in terms of having, ideally being somewhat congruent or having, being able to put our heart in it, just do it fully. But it doesn't really define us. It's just, as Bolozov put it, um, what we do for a living. So let's see what else we put our trust in. We put our trust in our, as the Buddha called it, in in the three prides. He called the three prides, the pride in youth. We tend to put our trust in, in our appearance and try everything we can to, to stay young. That's pride in youth. And uh, not a very reliable refuge, is it? <laughs> and, we t- we try- and we put a lot of pride in our health. I can feel the way that operates. It makes me a bit compulsive about staying healthy. And um, kind of a... But I realize it's not very reliable because in spite of my best attempts to run from unhealthiness, it happens, and it will. And the, obviously the, the most profound thing that we put our pride in, our, put our trust in, is life, is our individual existence. And that's also uh, temporary. And it was precisely the, the uh, melting away of these three prides, the realization that they were not reliable places to put his trust that turned the Buddha, turned the prince, the, the privileged one, turned him toward finding uh, that which um, could be considered a reliable refuge, a place to put his trust. And so he, that's really what got him was the reality of sickness, old age, and death. And then it, everything began, to, all the ducks seemed to line up. He began to see that, wow, if, I'm, if my youth is unreliable, my health is unreliable, my life is unreliable, that means everything that I seek after for my relief, every experience, everything, I've had it all. But it, it just, it's empty, it's impermanent. He says, there's got to be something more than this, just being born, getting a lot of stuff, having a lot of experiences, getting old and dying. There's got to be more to this life. There's got to be a, a purpose to this other than just going around this wheel and, and then 
ending up as a um, as whatever we end up as. <laughs> so that's what actually led him to to look more deeply at this question: Where am I putting my trust? And where where is it? Um, where can I find trust? And of course, through the process of elimination, through the training of his heart and mind, through through stumbling to from one teacher to another, from one group of people telling him what to do to another, he realized at a certain point, after paying very close attention to his mind and body, to his experiences, he came to a realization, having been... Uh, having relinquished, having let go of all the, all the, mis, uh, all the um, misperceptions of where it is safe to put our trust, even in our nearest and dearest when all is said and done, when he relinquished all of that uh, clinging to things that cannot bring reliable relief, and that's everything and everyone, when all is said and done, doesn't mean we shouldn't love people up and enjoy them, but we have to know, as you look into the eyes of every person, you may not see them again. That's not a bad thing. That's the truth. But when he did that, when he relinquished, as one teacher puts it, Gendon Rinpoche, the tight fist of grasping, there was the realization of infinite space, of lightness of, of wakefulness of the realization that the very refuge that he had been searching for that which was trustworthy was none other than the nature of his own mind the very one th- the very percept the very awareness through which each of us in this room is perceiving right now is the buddha is what he then suggested, take refuge in the Buddha. Don't, re- don't take refuge. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the world of pleasures. Enjoy each other. Enjoy everything. But don't put your trust in it. Enjoy your career. Find a great one. Don't put your trust in it. Enjoy your relationship. Don't put... I mean... Tr- Trust it as far as you can trust it. <laughs> but in fact, if you really know that it is not ultimately a reliable refuge, you will hold it with such dearness, such tenderness, such appreciation, knowing that the, um, the vase will break, the, uh, your heart will break, and... We have to learn how to have broken hearts. I think I've talked before about um, a psychologist who is also a meditation teacher named Jack Engler. Pretty well-known psychologist uh, and wonderful Dharma teacher. And he did his doctoral dissertation on the the spiritual path. And I think the whole spiritual path is, is finding a reliable refuge. It's finding that, that place of unshakable freedom and peace. That's the, the, the goal of it. 
But he, in his study of, of people and their spiritual path, he did what's called a phenomenological study where he interviewed people. And, and what happens in phenomenology is you, you get all this information and then you tease out from the information what are called themes, common themes that you find out when people describe the spiritual path or when you study it. And these themes end up becoming theme clusters. And then out of these theme clusters... You try to glean what the essence of that experience is, the essence of the spiritual path, and that's what a phenomenological study just tries to describe something and tease out its essence. And he came to the conclusion, the culmination of his long 500-plus page dissertation was that the essence of the spiritual path is grieving. came down to learning how to let go. Ajahn Chah's words, as you've probably heard countless times, do everything with a mind or a heart that lets go. And if I were to say something else you could put your trust in, put your trust in letting go. Do everything with a mind that lets go, he says. If you let go a little, you'll have a little peace. And if you let go a lot, you'll have a lot of peace. And if you let go completely, you'll have complete peace and freedom your struggles with the world will come to an end. And while I'm on that topic, if I can find it, I thought this would come in handy tonight. From Ajahn Sumedho, he says, you simplify your practice. This is He's reminding us to put our trust in letting go. Simplify your meditation practice down to just two words, letting go. Rather than try to develop this practice and develop that and achieve this and go into that and understand this and read the sutras, study the Abhidharma, learn Pali and Sanskrit and the Majamaka, the Prajnaparamita, get ordinations in the Hinayana, the Mahayana, the Vajrayana, write books and become a world-renowned authority on Buddhism. Instead of becoming the world's expert on Buddhism and being invited to great international Buddhist conferences, just let go, let go, let go. He says, I did nothing but this for about two years. Every time I tried to understand or figure things out, I'd say, let go, let go, until the desire would fade out. So I'm making it very simple for you to save you from getting caught in incredible amounts of suffering. There is nothing more sorrowful than having to attend international Buddhist conferences. <laughs> I'll leave it at that tonight. So the Buddha didn't stop with the simplicity, and, but the profundity of letting go, of taking refuge in the Buddha. He elaborated a little bit more by suggesting that we can put our trust not just in the one who knows within us, the, the awareness through which we're perceiving, but we can also put our trust in the reality of what's happening in its bare simplicity. Put your trust in the Dharma. The Dharma is the truth of the way things are right now. In the most immediate sense, not how you, hope, how you want this moment to be as you're listening, as it could be, as it was last week, or last year, or last Dharma talk, or whatever it was, but how it is tonight. And instead of overlaying every experience with how it should be, could be, would be, 
we take refuge in how it is. This is called taking refuge in the Dharma. And the Dharma isn't just as uh, simple in things as they are, but that's really a key. Is uh, is uh, this notion or this sense of how how has life come to be this way? This is this is the divine in action. It's not you are not an accident. It's not an accident. It's the only way it could be right now. This is the Dharma. We all. I often think when I talk about the divine is uh, is what's happening. It's. I think of that line from from th- that movie. Um, what was the movie where the 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 woman goes to Italy, goes to India, goes to eat, pray, love, where her big conclusion at the end is the divine or something like that is in me as me. I thought that was beautiful. It's not. It's not just some little thing inside. It is me that each of us is the is the the way we are is the expression of life. The only way it can be right now. Now, we if we really left ourselves at as that, and really open to that, and didn't add to it. Oh, this I shouldn't be this way. I'm a screw up. I'm a. I'm not tall. I'm not this. I'm not that. I haven't gotten there. I have, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I'm. Oh, how exhausting. But if we were able to notice, yeah, this is what I am. This is how I am right now. And my mind is doing all this thing. Okay, notice that too. But if we could just give ourselves a little bit of slack and see that every movement of your lips, of your eyes, of your ears, of your nose, of your tongue, every single, every single micro manifestation of this body-mind is miraculous. The divine is you. What could be more outrageous than our presence here? Nobody could ever explain it. But we're so busy sizing it up as somehow something's wrong. And innocently, because we're un- uncomfortable a lot, but we're uncomfortable a lot because of how much we overlay our experience with uh, this shouldn't be happening. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with me. And we've come to that view of ourselves from people telling us that. So it's, it just gets passed on. But it's all lies. It's all lies. There's nothing more divine than you or me. So don't project it on the just because I'm in this seat, I'm no more divine than anybody else. I'm just, this is just the role. But I'm divine. I am so special, but so are you. We're all so amazing. That's why the Tibetans have this word, emaho. How amazing. And you can only, if you really... Here, taking refuge in the Buddha, taking refuge in the Dharma, all you can say is, Emma Ho, how amazing. And even our, even our suffering is amazing. 
how lawful it is, how, how, how our, our mental illness, our craziness, is all a, a product of, of conditions, in some ways divine, just the only way they can be. And it's even divine that we can find that we can that we can come out of the wilderness of all our confusion and and recover a sense of light and love. That's amazing. The uniquely human thing too that our suffering, our pain, our difficulties uh, become our path to freedom. Every single thing that I've realized in my life has been has come out of being crazy, <laughs> being miserable, being really unhappy or really uncomfortable. I don't know how many of you got a chance to see the, um, the special of uh, uh, the Adele special. It, most of you familiar with Adele? <laughs> look, at, look what her dukkha, her dukkha has ignited the hearts of countless millions, such pain that she that really drove her creativity, and the songs that she um, created, and it's like music. It's celestial, and yet it your heart break. My heart breaks every time I hear what's it called? Someone like you, or oh my lord. But that pain became that dukkha, and this is another thing that um, the buka, the dukkha, the Buddha. I'm sorry, it's a long day. The Buddha said that dukkha is the springboard to nibbana. So dukkha is the part of our life that's hard to bear. But if we take refuge in dukkha and just see, as one of my teachers once said to me, just see dukkha as dukkha. Just let ourselves feel the pain of it. It's easier, easy to talk about, but it's actually in the long run easier to do than to avoid, than to stay distracted, to disassociate, to repress, and then get depressed. It's much easier in the long run to See dukkha as dukkha, open to it. Feel how our heart just is broken beyond belief when it is. Please. What about what about the urge to solve and and when you sit you say I want I want but it's not happening. The urge to solve is a, is a sign of love that we have for ourselves that we want to that we want relief. But the the movement of that urge tends to be out when what really solves is to feel that longing, to feel that desire. I want, go right to this. This is what the Dharma invites us to do. Now, sometimes I want means you go and figure out what you need to do to fulfill that desire. But the desire for freedom, the desire for, for uh, our 
true nature, no other desire can fulfill. The only direction is to turn our attention back toward the very longing itself. So for you, when it's I want, I want, you want to feel the source of that wanting. You want to actually feel what does wanting feel like? Do you feel it right now as we're speaking? I, okay, I want you to close your eyes and feel wanting. Not what you're wanting or why you want it. I want you to just feel the nature of that wanting as it's, as it's um, felt in your body, in your heart. And just feel that for a moment. Don't, and it, in order to really feel it, you can't be thinking about it. And then just tell me what you notice or what, describe what you notice when you allow that to be there. Give it space to be felt. It's helpful when I say don't think about the thing you want. Yeah, when, when you feel the wanting, you feel compassion. Exactly. Well, and that's what we and that's what we want to become aware of. That's the mind kicking into thought, but not extending the thought, not judging the thought, but noticing. Oh, there's the there's the mind that wants to disconnect again from here. It is grieving and letting go. You're not in control. That's right. And the, th- the thing we want is, that, yeah, it's a right. You want to love, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the universal desire is to love. So I don't want to be glib about I don't want to be glib about this, but. I, I would like you to love that longing for love. I want you to just feel that and let it be the cause of loving the reality of that longing. And I, I have a strong confidence that you will, you will discover, as I talked about before, that light and love that's your own nature. Again, it's easy to talk about. It's more challenging because our tendency is so deeply conditioned to go out in search of love and not and not be the the what we could call a vortex, where we're constantly adjusting instead of letting the world adjust to us, letting ourselves be the hub around which love we are the hub of love. The hub of love. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, one last comment and then we have to call it a night. Please. What does it mean to take refuge in, in, in our own mind? 
it, it, well, in the case, we don't trust it until we have the experience of it being helpful to us. And I'm saying take refuge in or put our trust in awareness, which means try, try simply to be aware of what's happening. Try to see what, what, the, what is the result when, when you are aware of things, pleasant things, unpleasant things. Watch, watch what happens. See what happens. Verify for yourself that if you, instead of putting your trust in things needing to be a certain way, you put your trust in things being the way they are and noticing it. You may begin to notice, you may begin to realize that your struggles, you stop fighting with reality. You stop, you stop your, your tension begins to ease and you find a certain kind of relief right in the middle of your situation, whatever it is. And the more you see that, and you more, the more you just keep practicing what we call as insight meditation or mindfulness or awareness, or we use a lot of these words interchangeably, you keep doing that, you'll see that this, just being able to know, be awake to what's happening, is a, is a source of tremendous relief, and you begin to trust it. So it's a process. I, I'm telling you to trust it, but it's something that has to be verified from your own experience. You've tried trusting in, the, in shopping, drinking, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. You've tried trusting, trusting in youth, in health, in, in all things that won't really do it. So you've, you know from experience that, those are unreli- that everything is unreliable. Sometimes we forget, though, and the next advertisement reminds us, makes us think that that really will do it for us. And then we'll spend the next six months building up our nest egg so that we can buy the next thing or, or go to the next workshop so that we can meet our beloved. Uh, but we've seen, it's, it's, that's samsara, that's an endless loop. So now the invitation is to experiment, put your trust in awareness. Put your trust in how things are right now. And then the last thing that the Buddha recommended is put your trust in the fact that for 2,500 years there have been countless thousands, millions who put their trust in the Buddha and the Dharma, you know, awareness and how things are. And they realize this liberated heart. And it's because of their compassion and their generosity that a living reminder of that has, is sitting in this room tonight. You, me, people who have practiced the Dharma. And, and not just this Dharma, but all Dharmas that point to reality as it is. Uh, and that we can draw some support from that, inspiration. And inspiration and support from just sitting with each other. Because we're not, we're not choosing tonight to... Uh, get absorbed in um, in net surfing or in uh, planning our vacation. We're here to trying to be awake and together. So I don't know if that answered your question, but thank you for it, and thank you all for being here. And I think we it's always useful to stop for a moment and forget everything you've heard and just take refuge in. Uh, the Buddha, one who's awake 
sitting on your very cushion. Take refuge in whatever it is that you're experiencing. Take refuge on the, the feeling of connection with all things and everyone in this room. And then last, consider in this silence where separation melts away that, uh, that we share this life with all beings that draw breath, all individuals, all beings everywhere. And let's just consider that uh, if there was some benefit to us being together that we, that we share it with all beings and share it with a deep wish that all beings can have happiness in their lives and the causes of happiness increasing. That all beings can be free of suffering and the causes of suffering decreasing. That all beings can realize, remember, uncover the sacred happiness that's without sorrow here and now as our own nature. And a wish that all beings can grow in serenity and equanimity, able to meet the joys and the sorrows, sickness, old age, and death with, with equanimity, with letting go. May all beings realize a sense of freedom, peace. May all beings be happy. Anyway, thank you so much. Just a gentle reminder of our teacher and room rental Donna generosity. We're here because of your generosity and we re- rely on our whatever support for $150 a week for the room rental. Any support to let me keep doing what I do. Uh, not just a tip, but just a, but a practice of generosity. A response to my practice of generosity, which is just to show up here. and So thank you in advance. And for those of you who haven't been here before, if you ever want to practice Donna, uh, and you want to have whatever you offer be tax-deductible, you can write a check to the St. John the Evangelist Episcopal Church, put Mission Dharma on the memo line, and it's tax. we can get a letter for you. And uh, other than that, just be mindful. Don't forget the Buddha within. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.